Hello and welcome in everyone to episode 157 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Today, we start something new on this podcast. I say it all the time, but I mean it. Joe Gentile has reached out to me. He's like, hey, Mike, you reached out once upon a time. Do you still want to get together and do some podcasting? I'm like, you know what? That sounds amazing. So he's bringing a show to this podcast. I'm simply going to be the host, which is going to be hard for me to do. But it's going to be a weekly cup of Joe corny but i decided to go with it so as always like i said i appreciate joe for reaching out we're going to try to do this once a week every weekend we're going to talk about some of the recent news definitely going to hit up hit fab type of stuff which again this will be more of a deeper league centered podcast it'll be some names to really keep on your peripherals and your shallower leagues maybe add to your watch list but guys you should be targeting entering fab this weekend but with that said joe of fake teams welcome to the show again it's been a long time but you're you you have been a guest before thank you you know what this is for you buddy Woo! Got, you got you got this for you, Joe. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm good. I appreciate you having me on. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, um, and I mean, I've promised a lot and underdelivered a lot on this podcast because I always get busy. And if I could do this full time, I would come through on all my promises. But I don't do this full time, so I end up coming up short because life. But with that said, I really I think I can commit to once a week podcast with you. That's easy enough. At least we'll have to talk about. It. There's going to be occasionally weeks where I get screwed because my job, but that's neither here nor there. But again, I told you, you needed to be on a podcast a long time. We've talked about this before. So I'm glad we can make it happen for the time being at the very least. So how, how's everything been, man? I'm good. I've just been working. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you life. understand the uh, traveling a lot this week. And uh, but no, I, I've you know what? I understand the underperformance because I think I've probably had about this year, maybe five or six articles I started to write and then I just never got back to them. So. I completely understand. It sucks because we love this stuff so much, but sometimes you just can't tell because our lack of quote unquote con like lack of content when really we're talking about baseball all the time on Twitter behind the scenes, but sometimes the content just doesn't make it out, like you said. But yeah. this is gonna go this is gonna make it. We're gonna make this happen. I'm gonna <laughs> make sure this gets on the but I guess we should mention Happy Father's Day to anybody who's a father figure in their in their someone's life, a father of, of course and 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 anybody, anybody acting as the father would, I would say happy Father's Day, too. Yes, so. and happy Father's Day to you, Mike. <laughs> yes, I don't, I don't thank have you. any kids right now, but happy Father's Day to you. Don't, don't do it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> They're a blessing in disguise. But before we get into those call-ups, the fab pickups, let's start with the hot topic that everyone is sick of talking about, but we have yet to talk about, the sticky stuff. No more of it, I should say. We're seeing injuries. We're seeing pictures like last night come out and say how... It's messing with them. What are your overall thoughts on the stick, on no more sticky stuff? And how do you think it's going to affect the game? Well, it's pretty hard right now to tell. Because first of all, we have to know which pitchers are using it and which ones are not. Um, I will say it seems like DeGrom is not using it. And if that's the case, then I think that boosts him up higher than he even was against other pitchers, which is crazy to even think about. <laughs> um, and But... It's very hard. It's obviously, um, and I've seen Eno Saris talk about it, but it's obviously going to affect fastballs more. It's going to affect the rise on fastballs and the drop on curveballs more, which individually affecting those pitches will obviously see less whiffs and those pitches become less valuable. But the interesting thing I've been talking about is like a knuckle curve is great because of how it, um, because of the rise on the fastball, how it, uh, what's yeah, the word? mirrors. Mirrors. There we go. I was looking for the word. Um, <laughs> how it mirrors the fastball. So if like I'm going to use James Karinchek, his first game after all this came out, he lost, I believe, three inches of rise or of rise on his fastball, and then he lost four inches of drop on his curveball. That's seven inches of separation you lose. I'm not saying James Karinchek is going to be a bad pitcher going forward, but that's a huge difference in separation going forward that could really affect him and maybe maybe instead of 40 percent strikeout guy he's a 35 or something so it's going to be interesting to see and it's happening as the summer months are become are, are happening too so they're gonna they're, there was already due to be a gain in offense due to the weather warming up now more balls in play 
less strikeouts could equal bigger boost in offense as well. So it's gonna it could be a huge spike, and people are gonna automatically correlate that spike with the sticky stuff not being on the pitcher's hands. I think there's gonna be more to it again, including the summer months coming up. But a guy, uh, somebody I want to shout out, which I've shouted out on Twitter like twice this week. But Ryan, oh, he's gonna kill me. Ryan Benancio, I, I, I gotta ask yes. him how to say his last name. He's a uh, He's been a guy that's been on top of these spin rates. And another guy that's going to kill me is uh, Next on Deck. That's right. Next on Deck, uh, the site that he writes for. That's my buddy Deeg's site that he runs. Uh, it's a really choppy way of saying at Venn underscore baseball is a great, great guy to follow when it comes to these spin rates. He actually put out a whole report pretty much documenting over 30 pitchers and their spin rates. And he continues to tweet them out. So, again, that's at Venn underscore baseball. Great guy to follow for just spin rate content. Like, guy who's following it as close as anybody right now. Oh, yeah. And I think he was one of my first followers on Twitter. So, he's <laughs> done great work over there. And, um, yeah, you guys need to check that out. Exactly. And again, with everything going on, have somebody dedicate so much time just following in that because you have to think about you have to go pitcher by pitcher, start by start. I love that he's doing it. I'm glad so, you know, someone always steps up to the plate willing to do these fun little projects. Glad it was somebody I know. I'm sure there's others. He's just the one that I happen to see on my feet a lot. So if there's anybody else out there, I apologize if I missed your work. Please DM me. Shoot it my way. I'll gladly promote it. It's good work. Good work deserves recognition. That's why Joe is on this podcast. He does good work. Needs a, needs to have his voice amplified just a little bit. That's what yeah. I do. But you mentioned a name or two. I think another good name to consider being like not necessarily worried about, but watching is Garrett Cole. Another guy I heard lost like three inches on his fastball as well in terms of rise. So just guys like and he was obviously somebody that everyone, including himself, pretty much has said at this point that he's used it. Uh, Bowers, another one. I'm just wondering. Other than DeGrom, obviously, Ace is going to ace. He's not using it. Injuries are more his issue. But I, I, I agree. I think it's too early to be overly concerned yet. We need more time because yep. there's a chance it affects all pitchers somewhat equally up and down type of deal. You know what I mean? That's how I'm looking at it. So I'm thinking in my head, like, obviously, it'll affect some more than others. But I think the best pitchers are still, I think Cream will still rise to the top is what I'm getting at. Yeah, that's I agree with you there. I think it's probably going to affect, you know, the more borderline pitchers. And um, I think someone maybe pitcherless has said it that, you know, the good guys are still going to be good. But it's kind of it might separate the uh, that medium pack. Like I think it was pitcherless. Yeah, Alex fast or Nick, one of the two. I remember hearing that one as well. And I agree. I think that's a great way to put it. But my big thing was is the reason why pitchers started using it is probably as hardcore as they did. Remember in 2019 when every pitcher, not every pitcher, but there was a good amount, Syndergaard and others, complained about that ball being slippery, complained about it being t- almost like a, almost like an ice cube. Well, they took stuff to help being able to grip it. Now MLB changes the ball and makes it easier to grip, makes makes it better, more in the pitcher's favor. Well, now the pitchers, style, now they had the sticky stuff and they mixed it with the you know, the new ball. And what came out of it was an unhittable ball, basically. That's why we had all the no hitters and everything else. Hitters complaining. I don't think I don't think most MLB cares if someone's using if the pitcher's using some stuff. They cared about what was being utilized, and what was being utilized was something called spider tack. That's a big one. It was, it's a very it's pretty much like an overly sticky uh, substance that it's bodybuilders use it for grip and stuff. It's a it's a pretty seriously sticky substance. So I think that's part of the issue. Is like you gave an inch and they took a mile this time, and maybe it was needed a couple years ago, but now that it's not needed, it gave them too much of an upper hand. But to, to take it away completely, how do you feel about the substance as a whole do you think pitchers should be allowed to have something for grip yeah and i think this is uh, where mlb i don't know if they know what they're doing or not i know that's a shocker to hear um <laughs> obviously doing it in the middle of the season that's a big issue and as tyler glass now said he, one of the big reasons he thinks he got hurt is because they switched in the middle of the season so he's having to put different pressure on the ball when he releases and peter mm-hmm. moreland for the braves had a great breakdown of why that is um and I mean, I really don't have a problem with, you know, rosin and sunscreen, stuff like that. Stuff that really doesn't increase your spin rate by that much, but it helps you command the ball better. And when I think people, when they talk about it, because you'll see people talk about it on Twitter when it first came out, they're like, well, hitters want them to use it. Hitters want them to use like, you know, something for command, but they don't want a dude to all of a sudden gain 400 RPMs to his fastball um, because Power. that affects them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um it's it's just let's uh, mlb needs to come up and i don't know how you um like how you'd manage it but they need to come up with a substance that like hey this doesn't really increase spin that much but you know you can use it so that you can command the ball better and that um 
you can just something that will help the pitchers, but not help them to be a 40% strikeout guy type stuff where the offense is still good. And also, I mean, this came up, if we're being honest, this probably came up because MLB messed up the ball this year. Mm -hmm. Overly, they overly, they changed it too much. They overly adapted, or if you want to, I don't know how else to word it really, but I am where I was going with my thought process. <laughs> I really forgot about it. I had something to say, and I was like, and I just had complete blank. But I think we've focused on that enough. There's there's so much. I feel like there's so much we can go into with the sticky stuff, but again, a lot of unknowns. Let's just talk call-ups and fab pickups. Now, Jesus Sanchez is the first guy on this list. He had nine home runs, one stolen base, with a sub-20% strikeout rate in the minors. Hitting 349, 400, 643 as a triple slash. That's Jesus Sanchez. Comes up, has hit a home run, two RBIs, zero walks at this point. But again, we're talking 18 plate appearances and a 38.9% strikeout rate. Never been a big strikeout guy. That I mean, he has shown a little bit of it in 2020 and 2019 in the upper levels. Looks like he corrected it a little bit this year. Overall, what is your confidence level in, term, in Jesus Sanchez, at least in the short term? I feel pretty confident in him. I think he had a home run two days ago, so we've already seen some power from him. Um, Max Exavilo numbers look great. Um, has had great Exavilos in the minors. Um, I feel like when I was doing projections for minor league guys, there are kind of three guys that stuck out to me. They're not going to blow you away, maybe, but they're just solid bats that I kind of have a lot of faith going forward in to be, you know, above average major league bats and that was Kirilov, Riley Green and Jesus Sanchez because their profiles are just kind of overall they can hit the ball for average they can hit it for power they might not be you know a 40 home run guy but if Jesus Sanchez ends up hitting 270 30 home run I'm not saying this year but if he's a 270 30 home run guy going forward in his career I would not be surprised at all I think he's suffered from prospect fatigue because he was I believe in like when he was with the Rays in 2017, 2018, people had him as like a top 50 prospect. Um, and then I think just when those younger guys, when they don't get called up immediately, like Juan Soto, we kind of just keep pushing them down. And so I think the prospect fatigue set in on him. But this, let's not forget, this guy is just really, really good. I, My fear is, I have two fears with him. One, we know Miami is not a great place to hit. Um, and even big power hitters, it can affect even big power hitters. And secondly, um, the outfield, they currently have three guys that can play outfield that are hurt right now. And Brian Anderson, Garrett Cooper and Corey Dickerson all are set to come back late June, late July, maybe. So when those guys come back, is he going to be still in the starting lineup? If he hits the ground running, this could be like a Cody Bellinger thing back when he was a rookie, when they had Adrian Gonzalez go down and Bellinger just hit the ground running and you can't have an excuse to send him down. So maybe it's that type of thing where if he's struggling, they'll send him down then. But I'm hoping we see him hit the ground running and that he's just a big contributor going forward. Well, I would obviously love to see that. But one thing going for him would be his uh, the fact that the models are likely sellers at this point. So a guy like a Garrett Cooper, a Corey Dickerson, even Brian Anderson, I believe, is in a contract year. I think almost they can almost pretty much ship him all out. And Sanchez has a pretty easy line to playing time, I would say. Path to playing time, I should say. And that's that, that being the reason. So even if he struggles, I don't think he goes down. Because, again, if especially some of these guys aren't due back till July, maybe he goes down for a week or two at most. But I would think that, again, with the Marlins likely being sellers at this point, I think Mar- we can see Starling Marte. Be- yeah, there's a lot of paths to playing time. So I think as long as he's not terrible, but again, there is some reason for concern in terms of that strikeout rate. But if he can get some of the, you know, again, it's still early. 38.9% over 18 plate appearances is not a great sample. And while he's doing so, even though he's striking out at such a high clip, it's the, it's because he's chasing a little more than he should, and his swing strike rate's a little a, a little worse than league average. But he's still making roughly league average in contact rates. So if he backs up, you know, backs off a little bit, maybe some of the the nerves leave him, and you see Sanchez kind of hit on some of that prospect pedigree. We can see better days ahead because again, his swinging and miss issues are I think more so on the chasing side of things than than there is swing and miss on pitches that are actually hittable. Yeah. That's why, again, just a quick look at that though. That's still too small of a sample. Yeah, and I've talked about in the past um, why those swinging outside the zone, it leads to less contact, but it also you're bad at balls. It affects your launch angle and your uh, exit velocity on bad at balls as well. So that might be 
if we see Sanchez struggle, that might be the source of his struggles because he's just such a high swinger. And another guy on this list that just got called up, Abraham Toro. Talk about fatigue. He's the guy that I feel like every year flashes a little something. There might be something there, goes away. Flashes a little something, might be something there, goes away. This year in the in AAA, two home runs, two stolen bases, walking a lot more than he's striking out, 16.2% to 11.8%. A guy who always has really solid you know, plate discipline. He's never really been a big strikeout guy. He's always walked at a double-digit clip for the most part in the minors. So far in the majors, over 20 plate appearances. Again, another small sample in Toro. Uh, one home run, one stolen base, a 10% walk rate, zero strikeouts. So you got to think that two, and the 222 batting average he has so far, Toro does, comes with a 176 BABIP. So you know there's some positive regression going there. Maybe he's better in OBP leagues, but what do you overall do you think Toro is somebody maybe even worth targeting over Sanchez? Is it more of a team build or would you still put Sanchez clearly above Toro? I'd have Sanchez above Toro just because I think that ceiling is so high. Um, yep. With Toro, I remember when he first came up, I was thinking, oh man, this might be like a 2025 home run guy, a guy that can steal 15 bases. Since then, I've kind of dug deeper in the numbers and I'm not as excited as I was. Um, I think he's a really solid, he's got great plate skills. There's no denying that he can walk and he can um, make contact. So that's always a good sign. But I fear the power might not be there. We might not see that 2019 power we saw at a double A. He might be a 20 home run guy, but he hits a lot of ground balls recently. And his exit velocities aren't as good as I thought they'd be. Um, he's got speed as well, but he hasn't stolen much, um, at the major league level or really in the minors at all. So this might be, let's say over the course of a full season, maybe a 20 home run, five stolen base guy with a decent average, but he does play in the Astros lineup, which is great for run production. So I think in those deeper 15 team leagues, he might be worth, you know, two, 3% of your fab. And he's a guy that as of right now has started in three of four games for the, for the Houston Astros. That's Abraham Toro. I'm talking about, and he's hit sixth today while hitting seventh, the prior two games. So again, looks like there's, and you mentioned here in the notes, you mentioned it, that Bregman and Aledemus uh, Diaz are out until at least until July at some point, it seems like at this. So Toro's going to get a little bit of run, but again, Toro is also a guy that I think that's more of a short-term play because they are, a healthy Astros team typically doesn't have space for Toro. That's part of the issue. But I think he's what I would call a roster stabilizer. Somebody you just plug and play, set him, forget him. He's going to fill in a hole in the meantime. Maybe you, if you are somebody who has a um, a Bregman on the IL and you need to fill the spot, I think Toro is a, a, some, a fallback option for that. And I do agree. Jesus Sanchez is would be my preferred target. I think there's a longer term, not only upside, but playing time opportunity as well. So that's uh, and last guy here in terms of minor league call ups of late, Bryce Wilson. I feel like we've played this game before with Bryce Wilson. <laughs> he is the most readily available. What are your thoughts on Bryce Wilson? I'm pretty uh, pretty over it. Um, he's not <laughs> he's not he's not great at getting ground balls. His strikeout rates have dropped. Um, he's kind of more of just a command artist. But with how much raw power is in the game, I don't think that plays in today's game. Um, I don't even know if he'll be up after today because they brought him up to face St. Louis and they just called down Kyler Mueller, I believe. So maybe this is just a call him up for the game and then send him back down afterwards. But if he if he does stay up, he's in line to face at Cincinnati next week. So I'm not very interested. I got you. Yeah, I, I'm not either. Although I, you know, I should have asked you this. Maybe this was one of the thoughts I had during the sticky stuff. Do you think stuff will play up more now? Or do you think somebody with control and command of the zone will have more will have more benefit from other from everyone not using sticky stuff anymore. I'm thinking control might win over stuff. I know I think Eno said the other would it would work out other the other way, especially if people are swinging more at the control guys. But I have a hard time believing a guy who's able to command the strike zone without the sticky stuff will still won't be more of a benefit than a guy who's throwing a little wild and unable to hit the zone and stuff like that. Maybe I'm a little maybe I'm wrong because I know Eno, trust me, when it comes to pitching, I don't really doubt Eno much. But I have a hard time. I, I for some reason I'm really stuck on this. Which side of the fence do you sit on with that discussion? I'm always on the stuff side. Um and <laughs> stuff that, is so much fun. That might just burn me. Um but we've seen it with guys that, you know, the steady eddies this year that were command artists like Kyle Hendricks and Marco Gonzalez, guys that we said were exceptions to the rules ended up not being an exception. So 
I, I think it's the overall package mostly, but I'm not big on command guys. I think they can have, they, they can go a year or two and have good years, but I think eventually it'll catch up to them. Um, I got you. I'm just thinking this year, like guys like in my mind, guys like Savali come to mind, Stroman, guys who've pitched really well, having more so command than stuff, you know? Oh, I actually, they do have some stuff, but yeah, I was going to say, I like Stroman. Stroman's an interesting pitcher because he's got, um, he's one of those guys when, when I looked at it, um, and I did the peak projections, I was like, oh, Stroman can miss, miss more bats. But I think the fact that that sinker doesn't get many, uh, strikeouts leads to his contact rate being better than his strikeout rate just because of the lack of strikeout or the lack of swing and miss on that primary pitch but he's got some decent secondaries yeah i love stroman i think i think he was a guy that was overlooked in draft season because people didn't know what to expect coming off a year that he didn't pitch at all and i think that that was i i I think he's pitching to his ceiling obviously i do i did always view stroman as a sp5 with sp3 upside that's how actually i viewed savale as well i think they're both pitching above their heads i think stroman pitching more so above his head both of which, even if they fell back closer to your SP5, they're still going to hold value because this year, with the, how innings have not played out for most of us, I think those are two guys you're better off just holding tight versus selling high. That's a whole other discussion. But let's talk some fab pickups. Michael Fulmer, he's the first one on this list. Two innings since he's returned. One was a solid outing. You know, only one hit over an inning. Second outing, not so much. Both against the Royals. Gave up two earned runs on three hits, but he still got the save. Do you think Michael Fulmer is in line for some saves? And that would be the main appeal here, I would assume. Yes, that's going to be the main appeal. And I think he's in line for the saves for two reasons. One, it sounds like they're going to trade him um, at the deadline. So they need to try and boost his value. Um, so I think we'll probably see him close games to try and boost his value. And secondly, who else do the Tigers have, honestly, to close out games? Cisnero. I like Cisnero, but I that's think Fulmer is probably way better than Cisnero at least um at least when it comes to closing because with a closer I think you want someone that you know what you're getting and with Fulmer I feel pretty comfortable putting him in the uh ninth inning with Cisnero he might go in there and blow out the competition but then again he might just blow up so I think that um projectability with Fulmer really helps him as well uh Cisnero is 32 years old so he probably gets dealt as well I was thinking maybe Cisnero is somebody maybe a speculative ad in terms of stashing for saves but I don't think he makes it I don't think he's going to make it to the second half on this team yeah and with Fulmer I know a lot of people going into the season uh their fear and the talk with Fulmer has always been been even when he was good was he didn't get many strikeouts well, this year, he's throwing way more sliders, 35%, which has led to a 72% contact rate. So this guy, Fulmer, will probably be a guy going forward with, you know, a high 20% strikeout rate and a good walk rate. So I'm pretty excited to see what will happen. And he's also, Fulmer's also decre- decreased his home run to fly ball rate, up his K, you mentioned the strikeout rate, while dropping the walks back down to 2017 levels. And he is just where is he? I know he's not. He's only 28. That's not old. That's a pitcher in his prime. Injuries have held him back. But this was a guy that at one point people were pretty excited as a whole seeing where he could go. So I think as a relief pitcher, he'll play up. I do think we see Fulmer get moved. But in the short term, I'm with you with grabbing him for saves. You told me off air. This is one of your guys. Taylor Ward available in quite a few deeper formats. What are you what are you buying in when it comes to Taylor Ward or why are you buying it? You know who Ward kind of reminds me of? Um, he's kind of been a lowly rated prospect, not much talk. Um, I think Prospect Live's talked about him, actually, when he first got called up. But he kind of reminds me of that Ramon Laureano type player. He's got some speed. He's got some power. Um, he's got a little bit of strikeout concern, but he also has good plate discipline. And he can he should be someone that has a high bat bip going forward. Um, this is a guy that, over the last 14 days is hitting three or four with two home runs, nine runs and 11 RBIs. We haven't seen him steal much this year, but in the minors, he was running like crazy. So I think this could be a, maybe a 25 home run, 15 stolen base type profile. And he's essentially free. I mean, his price is probably going up the more he's playing. And with Adele, Adele's hitting a lot of home runs, but he's still got the strikeout issues. And with Marsh struggling, I think they might let Ward run if he continues to hit like this. And that's Tyler Ward of the, I almost called him the Anaheim Angels, of the uh, Los Angeles Angels. Oh my goodness, man. I I don't know why. I, I can't get behind the whole uh, 
I can't get behind the whole Los Angeles Angels thing. I don't know why. It's the weirdest thing. But oh. I have to get used to it, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just I love players like this because I think Ward's a guy you're going to get cheap this week. I don't see him being a big money guy. And that's what always appeals to me in this in this area of the uh, of fab of this time of the year where you need to conserve some money for the end game, but you need somebody who can contribute now. I think Ward could be got for under forty bucks, probably. Right? I'd say thirty, maybe. A lot of people aren't in on him. Yeah, when I I, I got him when he first got called up, and I think I spent six dollars in fab on him. Yeah, thousand dollar budget. People are gonna buy a little high now. He'll be like thirty-five, probably, knowing how things are gonna work. Because now that he's shown it for two weeks now, I think Ward's gonna be a little more expensive. But the power and speed—that's kind of the big thing. Especially if you think you can get like two to three stolen bases out of him in the next couple of weeks, that's gonna be a huge reason to get behind that. But another Los Angeles Angel makes uh, makes their appearance on this list, and our, and we're talking here. This is where your money's gonna, you're gonna see money spent. Patrick Sandoval, the dude has just been cruising along doing his thing since he's pitched five innings or more in his last five outings, only giving up three earned runs once. Other than that, it's been two earned runs or less again over the same five outings for Patrick Sandoval. You got to like what you're seeing here, don't you? Yeah. Sandoval, he's someone that I struggle and I <laughs> noticed this with a lot of left-handed pitchers. When I look at their overall arsenal, I struggle to project them because I think there's something with left-handed pitchers where your stuff can be a little bit worse but it plays up more because it's coming from the left side. And that's where I think Sandoval is. Because you look at his savant page and you're like, oh, these pitchers, like, they're not bad, but you're like, none of the movement profiles or anything, like, sticks out to you. But he's he's someone, he has a 65% contact rate this year, which is insane. Um, he's been getting strikeouts like crazy. He had that crazy, I believe he set the swing and strike rate record this year for, with, like, 20-something. And... I just don't know what to think of them, honestly. And these guys, when I don't know, when I see the success and the underlying numbers good, but the overall arsenal, when I have questions about it, I don't fully buy in because I have that little bit concern uh, in the back of my mind. Patrick Corbin is someone that uh, comes to mind as one of those players, the left-handed pitcher with stuff that was eh, but had great results coming into the year. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of money spent on Sandoval. I'm probably going to be out at the price, but... It's impossible to ignore what he's done so far. And something that makes you buy in a little more is he added a sinker. So he added a new pitch to his arsenal, which has been for a sinker. It's actually, I mean, it still gets hit hard. The slug is over 600, but the batting average in XBA, like it's actually not terrible compared to other sinkers I've seen, but that's not the part I'm encouraged about with Sandoval. You've seen him increase his changeup usage and he still has a solid slider. Both of both pitches are getting above 45% whiff rates with the changeup leading the pack at 58.4% whiff rate. So the changeup has been really good, and he's been able to utilize that heavily against right-handers. The slider he, he utilizes about equal to lefties and righties, just giving him a deeper arsenal. He has five pitches he throws at least 10% of the time. That alone speaks volumes. Now, the curveball, he could probably do without. That's why he throws it the least. It's getting absolutely obliterated this year, but... Other than that, I mean, maybe that's why he's throwing the sinker. Maybe it gives them like I have to scroll down real quick and see the how how they move if they have similar movement profiles. They do not, <laughs> um, but may, okay, maybe not. I was thinking maybe that's why he added the sinker, try to get similar deal, but it doesn't seem like it moves in a similar direction. Regardless, there there are changes there. There's tangible change in in Sandoval's arsenal. There's there's two, a couple of pitches that get a bunch of whiffs, which explain the K K K rate. I think there's reason to buy in, but I do agree he could be over overperforming right now. I'm willing to let – it depends how bad I need pitching. If I need pitching really bad, I might go hard at him, but I'm more willing to fall back on this next guy on our list and Bailey Ober. I'm a sucker for Bailey Ober. I was telling you on, on off the air that when it comes to Bailey Ober, he's a guy that I wrote up for Prospects Live in the offseason. Shout out to them for letting me do so. And I was excited because he was barely a top 30 guy in the twin system coming into the year. And he was a guy that – I, I was like, no, I'm in. And people, and I got some, I got some pushback. A lot of people, there was people that really thought of him more as a, as a, uh, as a bullpen arm. There was a lot of encouraging things in 2020, even though he wasn't pitching, he had some injury issues and stuff. He actually worked on his mechanics, got his velo up to the low nineties, which for him is a big deal. Cause he always sat like 88, 89 in the minors. So, but Ober got his velocity up. But in doing so, he kept he sustained that same control and command. And for him, that's big because he's like a six eight dude or six. He's huge. He is six. Where is it? He is huge. Six nine, six nine, two sixty. As a pitcher, that is absurdly big. So as big as he is throwing that soft, 
was kind of it blew my mind through that that slow but he was a command artist he's able to pick his spots hit his spots and he's doing so at the major league level we're looking at four games started 17 games pitched so he's not getting a lot he's not really getting deep into games but he's doing the things that we saw in the minors he keeps a high strand rate he's able to keep the home runs at bay for the most part and i just i love this profile i think he's i think he has that he has that type of Stroman Savale. He's not going to be as good as them, but when I think of Ober, I think of a guy who can get by with his command and control over stuff. And I know stuff matters, but I think Ober can be one of those guys that you plug in and kind of just get what you get. And it's going to be good. Not great. Although the strikeouts do surprise me given the lack of actual, like, like, Oh, given the lack of velocity, I guess. Yeah, no. I, first of all, you talking about Ober and how tall he is. How weird is it that we see, a six nine guy that the, he's this big. He doesn't have the velo. Not only does he not have the velo, though, he's got the command. That is such a weird thing. Because when I think of uh, big, tall guys, I usually think mm-hmm. of hard throwing, wild type of relief pitchers. But he just said, "Eh, I'm going to go against the norm." And his and usually with big guys. Sorry to interrupt. Usually with no. big guys, repeatability and mechanics are really tough. People don't like realize that when you're that big, repeating your mechanics are a lot harder. From what I've, from my understanding, and he just apparently simplifies them. He keeps them to a point where they're so simple. He he's able to repeat them. And I just, again, I was just I watched tape on him. I watched a lot of tape on him, and I was like, why is he so low ranked? I guess because he's just not going to be anything stellar. He's going to be what he is, I think. And that's a boring answer, but I do. The problem is that I've also heard that they're going to keep him to a certain pitch count every inning, every start. So he might he only hit five innings once so far out of his four starts. That's another issue. But there is some upside there. I think he's going to be a little bit of a cheaper option because the information is, you know, open is is out there. People do know this. But I don't know. Maybe the excitement will get the better people. Not sure which way it's going to go. If you guys want to have fun, just look at what he did in 2019 in the minors. The dude oh, yeah. had it below a one ERA at every stop he went to, and his xFIPs were like below two. This dude just—I don't know how he's done it. His his pitches, they're his pitches are slightly below average. And I believe Eno Saris gave his stuff plus number and it was around like 93. But if you're a command artist and you have 93, that's, that's going to be good at the major league level. And right now I have a couple fears right now. He has a 30% strikeout rate in the majors. I don't think that's going to hold. Um, we're probably going to see the walk rate go above 3%. I don't think he's going to stay below three. Um, and that contact rate currently is at 81 and a half. So a big decline in strikeout rate probably is coming. And you've talked about the inning limits as well. But I'll just give you this. For peak projection, I have him around a 4 ERA, a 1.27 whip, and a little bit less than a strikeout an inning. And in those deeper leagues, that's still going to play. So I do worry about the inning limits. If they're going to keep pulling him at four innings, he won't be in line for wins. But this is someone definitely to monitor. Um, if you have a roster space where you can kind of throw a flyer on them, I definitely do it. Uh, what do you think the fab is going to be like him, uh, this week? Because yeah. over the last three games, he kind of got blown up that first game, but since then, those last three games, he has a 1.93 ERA with a one whip. Yeah, that's really tough to say, to be honest. I'm, I think he's going to be, I think Ober is going to be a guy who fluctuates quite a bit and that's where, like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to spend more than 10 bucks on them. You know what I mean? Like, if I can't get them for 10 or less, I don't want them because I don't think the innings are going to be there. Now, if he starts piggybacking off of an opener, then his value goes way up because if you get those four innings from inning two or three till, you know, seven or eight, now he's in line for all those wins while giving you the ratios. See, his strikeout, if you look at his K minus walk rates all through the minors, the lowest one he ever posted was in AAA this year at 24.6%. So I think the strikeouts. I mean, I know it's the major league level, but I still think given the ability to command the way he does with the stuff being good enough to play, I think he can sustain some solid strikeout numbers, at least a strikeout per inning. That's my own thoughts on him. And the walks, I do expect the walks to regress, but to what? Uh, again, before this year, before AAA, he's always been like a three to three and a half walk guy at most. So even if he regresses to like a 5% walk rate, like I still think that whip 1.27 whip is still seems a little, I don't know. I'm, I'm bullish on, I told you I'm a little biased because I looked into him in the off season and I really fell in love with his profile because he speaks to me given his level of safety or at least perceived safety. I see Ober having so belly Ober's a guy, but going back to your question of what I think, I think we see 
anywhere from as much as like 35 to 40 down to like free. You're going to see people uncontestedly get them uncontested in leagues too. It's going to be literally, he's going to be the guy who fluctuates because not everybody has space to take a chance. Not every league has like, there's going to be leagues where nobody wants him. Probably he might not even be universally rostered after this week. I wouldn't expect him to be because, because of the potential for innings issues and not, and not being, not having an opener ahead of him doesn't give him the win potential and wins are a big deal, especially at this point in the year when you're probably chasing them. Yeah. So you're saying trade them to the race. I'm saying trade them to the Rays or hope that the Twins being <laughs> analytically minded. That's another thing. Let's talk about the fact that the Twins could be sellers, not just sellers, but there's no reason to push them when they're not con- contending right now. They are yeah. really far out of things right now. And the one thing, uh, this is kind of an intangible with Ober, but I was listening to an interview he did. He understands, it sounds like, the analytics of baseball, and he understands how his pitches play. It's huge. So that's a great thing going forward. You're not going to have... Um, like in, I believe it was Eric Hosmer who like everyone's like, hey, maybe you should just hit the ball in the air more. It's like, no, I don't want to. But this guy, he gets in. I think he's going to learn. And he's he's a very safe player, I think, is how I'd put it. He might not have the biggest ceiling, but he just seems safe. Goes back to the roster stabilizer. That's, that's, my, that's my term with those guys, man. It works. Uh, Steven Duggar is another guy that has just been doing San Francisco type things, man. Uh, when it comes to Steven Duggar. As a whole, six home runs, four stolen bases on the year, striking out an absurd 35.5% of the time, but it doesn't matter because somehow he's doing so while sustaining a 468 BABIP and hitting 313. So obviously, regardless, like it or not, he's going to regress in that batting average. But is this could this just simply be ride the hot hand type of deal with Steven Duggar? Well, I know Vlad Sedler picked him up in a couple of leagues, so I don't want to yeah. go against him, but... Uh, I think Vlad knows sometimes it's just good to ride the hot hand too, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, he Duggar was a guy I remember looking at a couple of years ago as an uh, interesting power speed guy. From from the skill standpoint, he seems like everything you want in a prospect. But the lack of contact and the high amount of ground balls he's had over the years do kind of concern me a little bit. Um, I don't know how San Francisco's played this year as a hitter's ballpark, but we know in the past before last year it was pretty brutal. So that might also play a role in his uh, decline. And plus, they got Alex Dickerson, they got Darren Ruff, and they currently got Dubon on the pitch. Either one of those guys, if Duger starts to um, slow down, starts to go cold, we could easily see him get pulled um, and have one of those guys play the outfield. Yeah, and Doug, and looking at uh, Duggar, looking at his numbers, he's actually pretty patient these days. He's uh, he's decreased his willingness to chase the O swing being down for the second straight season in terms of uh, a below 25%, which again, this is coming off of years where it's been near 30% prior to that. The contact rates are below average, but they're not bad considering he's swinging 6.8 points below league average right now. So I, the fact that he's keeping his, his contact rates close enough to league average suggests that he's fixed something. Uh, and then you, you mentioned the ground ball rates this year. Duggar's ground ball rate is actually down to 37.9%. So he's eight. So he's actually made changes in terms of keeping the ball off the ground, increasing the line drive rate. to pretty much an elite 27.3%. So Duggar's a guy that there are some tangible changes going on there. He would require deeper diving to see. I'm still not buying in completely, but there are reasons at least believe. Now you also mentioned in the notes here. Yes. His XBA is only 230. Obviously, he's going to regress. Like I said, that BABIP is way too inflated. But at least, you know, some of it is somewhat sustainable in the sense that he he's hitting more line drives. He's hitting less fly balls. He's pulling the ball more. A lot of that will play into a higher BABIP. And then the fact that he has above average speed. All of that will, will play into BABIP being sustained higher than usual, but not at a 460, it was a 468 clip. So, yes, there is regression due. But maybe this is maybe Duggar's this year's... Um, um, what's the, uh, the guy on their the guy on their team right now that went uh, Slater Austin Slater? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's another guy Austin Slater. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. And the Giants, we I've talked about the Giants as a team they that yeah they they um they're almost I'm wondering if they're almost like the new way analytics are going because it used to be you know get the young guys that are controllable and stuff and since then we've seen young guys like your top prospects are being traded less often because they're so controllable and you know you don't want to trade your top three prospects for one year of Mookie Betts type thing. So I'm wondering if the Giants are kind of doing the new type of analytics thing where they're saying, hey, these older guys like Alex Wood, Kevin Gosman, they're getting kind of forgotten about and they're going to be a little bit cheaper. So maybe we get the older guys and not have to trade for like a whole bunch for like one prospect. 
And it's been working. Like Mike Yaskrimski, Alex Dickerson, they've just gotten the forgotten guys, and they're doing pretty well. Well, you just you just created a new tweet I get to make after this. If this looks right, live on just now while you were talking, I looked it up for Steven Duggar. His launch angle was up a lot. And mm-hmm. usually when I back, I don't know if you I'm sure you see my stuff on Twitter sometimes where I find swing swing changes. His his launch angle was a crew high 14 degrees, which is actually probably explains everything in terms of the gain in line drives, the dip in ground balls, et cetera, et cetera. He's made notable changes in his stance. So that means probably the mechanics, the hands are higher. He's less upright. It's his hand. Yeah, his hands, are, there's less of a hitch in his swing too. I'm going to have to create that little side-by-side and I will definitely give you credit for that because I was not looking at Steven Duggar's stance until this moment. But yes, there. so there is, again, I have to double check all this information, but as of right now, the way I'm looking at it, it there's an obvious notable change in his stance and likely in the mechanics as well. I got, because obviously he's starting off in a whole different, oh, it's a whole different thing. Again, more reasons to buy in, but there's still reasons for there's regression coming. However, how much is to be determined? Maybe he's closer to a 250 hitter because given the profile I mentioned, Duggar can overperform his XBA a little bit. But that's the thing. If he's going to get down to, to a 250 hitter, there's a lot of regression coming. So the worst is yet to come is part of the problem. Let's yeah. move on to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think the strikeout rate's like 35 percent. I don't expect yeah, it to stay that high. It's that's what I'm saying. Well, that's the thing. Maybe maybe that gets better, and maybe that helps offset some of the batting average woes that are there due. Because he's not his 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 play discipline wasn't someone's that struck me as a strikeout heavy guy. Maybe it's because he's too too patient. Maybe pitchers are attacking the zone more on him. You've maybe want to deep dive Stephen. Every time I talk to you on a podcast, two years ago it was Dylan Moore. You maybe look into him on the fly too. There's always somebody that you make me want to look at more. And maybe Stephen Duggar was a guy that I just overlooked because I haven't paid particularly close attention to the Giants of late. But I have, even if I did pay attention, he wasn't a guy I was ever going to deep dive unless I talked to you about him today on this podcast. Because I'm like, oh, it's Stephen Duggar. Oh, wait, what team does he play for? The Giants. I should have known anybody <laughs> 27, anybody between the ages of 27 and 30 require a deep dive on the Giants. But a guy who's not in that age range, at least I think that's just a complete guess, is Cody Petit. Um, he's the next guy on this list of the Miami Marlins. He's 26. I was close, so I almost was wrong. A guy who's just been again okay. Another just okay guy. Six games he started this year. He's two and two with a 3.9 ERA, xERA around four with a FIP and xFIP almost a run higher though. Actually, a, a, about a run or more higher. Um, yeah, nothing really exciting here. What are your expectations for Cody Petit moving forward? Uh. I actually like Petit a lot. That's why I put him on the list. Um, <laughs> he got he just came back from injury and he kind of got blown up for over three uh, and a half innings. He had a four point nine one ERA, which is not good. But before that, over the season, he's had a three nine ERA and twenty three percent strikeout rate. But that also comes with a ten percent walk rate and a four point eight nine xFIP. Now, the reason I like him is because. I like his arsenal. I, I think his arsenal is actually pretty good. He's got an 86-mile-an-hour slider that has above-average movement vertically and horizontally. Um, he's got a changeup that moves like crazy. His curveball isn't a bad pitch at all either, coming in at 80, 79 and a half miles an hour. And then he's got a 93-mile-an-hour four-seamer um, with not a lot of rise, but it's kind of it's a little bit below league average, but. My fear is is maybe the slider and the four-seamer kind of have similar horizontal movement. So maybe he needs to make a tweak with his movement with one of those pitches to really unlock something. But I, I like him a lot. Um, I was just looking at Savant page. Let me tell you the pitchers based on velocity and movement he compares to. Uh, Corbin Martin, Taylor Widener, two prospects. Will Crow, not that great. And then <laughs> these last two I find interesting. Zach Gallen and Max Scherzer. So where does Poteet land on that list is the question. Um, I think he's yeah. someone that hasn't he had, over the minors. He hasn't been really a strikeout guy. Um, but looking at his arsenal, I think he could probably get maybe a little bit more than a strikeout in an inning. I think the walk rate's going to come down. The fly balls may be an issue, but the one thing I like is he's a fly ball pitcher, but he's in Miami. So a lot of those fly balls that maybe would go out of the park in like a Yankee stadium or uh, Cincinnati are going to now be at the warning track and caught. So that's going to lead to a lower bat bit, lower home run total, and it's going to speak in his ERA, and you're probably going to see a difference between XFIP and ERA. Gotcha. Well, if you're in, I will let you 
I will I will follow you in this uh, journey towards rostering our boy Chad. Uh, Chad, I'm looking at Chaz. Sorry, <laughs> I'm looking at the wrong guy. I'm looking at it's Cody Petit. I'm looking at Chaz McCormick. I skipped ahead because he's the next guy on this list that you really like. But going back to Petit real quick, how much? Okay, so rank him Petit Ober and. Sandoval, I think Sandoval for you, you're not as high, but I think he's the clear top target given role and recent success. So between Ober and Petit, who would you prefer? Um, honestly, the way I've been playing it, it's probably just going to be a week to week depending on the matchups. Mm-hmm. If I just had to say rest of year they have the same matchups, I'd probably take Petit, honestly, over uh, both of those guys and then probably go Sandoval and Ober. Um, but I think they're all kind of in that range where you're like, I'm not sure what I'm getting, but I see a lot I like. Um, just Poteet, I, I the the home park I think plays a lot to me in the fact that he's in Miami. Um, I could see Sandoval just going off and continuing in his run of dominance and make me look stupid in about a week or two. So uh, I'll preface this with that. But I, I really like Poteet; he's a big target of mine. And this week I'm going to put in like you know one per, one or two percent fab bids on him, but he's kind of. Um, uh, the second, the backup bid. So I might not even get him this week, and I don't think he's going to really be going in many leagues after his return. So he's someone that I'll probably focus more on next week uh, if he has a good matchup or something like that. Now, Chaz McCormick, game back to him, he's a guy that you brought up to me like literally a month or two ago. Somebody you've liked. I remember you, if, you, if you didn't bring him up to me personally, I remember you commenting on a tweet about liking him. And looking at some track record here, there's been a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. So there's that power speed combination. And so far in his major in the 117 play appearances this year at that major league level, he's put up eight home runs with two stolen bases, striking out just under 30% of the time. So that's a bit of an issue. However, there has been a low BABIP in 222, but a 216 batting average. So there, I mean, the WRC plus is 110. The Woba is about league average at 323. I know it's a close to the average. League average is like usually around 320, 340 in that area, typically. My point being is that what did you like about him coming up? What do you like about him going forward? Because obviously there's been a little bit of a slow start in between. Coming up, I really liked – he really seemed like a solid player. He had the speed. Um, he had the power. Uh, I love that Fangraphs keeps track of the exit velocity numbers now in the minor leagues. He had a 90-mile-an-hour exit velocity, which is fantastic. That would probably come out – I haven't looked at his hard hit rate, but probably around the 40% range. Um He's, he hits ground, uh, fly balls. Um, his plate discipline is great. And in the minors, he was a, more of a contact guy. Now, it's surprising this year since he's come up that he's really struggled um, to make contact. And that is nothing like his profile in the minors. So I'm hoping that it kind of offsets, especially with less sticky stuff. Maybe if he can get to a 24, 25% strikeout guy, I think he's going to be must rostered in most 15, maybe even 12 team leagues if he's starting. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I definitely, I actually picked him up in a dynasty league because of you. So I will give you credit where credit's due. I love your optimism on some of these guys. I just, I mean, but you mentioned it. I mean, over the last, I mean, the, the stolen bases haven't been there, which has been odd because I actually would have pegged him more for stolen bases than power. But over the last two weeks, four home runs, can't really argue with the results there. And if, so if you're looking for just some upside, some power speed upside, another name in Chaz McCormick to consider. Yeah. So and- those were like, your, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. I was going to also mention Kyle Tucker's on the IL, but I think he's scheduled to come back this month. So it's either going to be Straw or McCormick to the I- or to the bench, not the IL. Um, so it's going to be a question of who do the Astros like more. And I feel like right now McCormick, especially on his hot streak, might outplay Straw. It's Dusty. It's Dusty Baker. And at this point, did Straw earn veteran status in his eyes? You know what I mean? <laughs> and I say that like with quotes because, I mean, Straw was a guy that was barely made. It felt like he was barely going to make the team at one point. But then Dusty backed it up. So we'll see. I just I want to buy into Chaz, but you know how Dusty is. And I just Dusty's going to Dusty on this one. And there's a bunch of names on this list. We don't have time to go through each and every one of them. So pick your favorite, I don't know, two to three on this list. I'll let you. Wrap it up the show with those last two to three names that you want to bring up, if you're good with that. Yeah, that works with me. I don't have any notes, so I'm going to kind of fly off the uh, seat of my pants. Um, perfect. G-Man Boy is someone that I'm actually putting in some, you know, small amount, like not even 1% bids on in most of my leagues, because I believe he faces the Angels and the Red Sox coming up, and... I don't really have a lot of faith in either of those pitching staffs. So I think Choi is someone that just came off the IL that could that shows great plate discipline. He doesn't strike out at a horrendous rate. 
and he's got some underrated power there. So I think he's someone that could have a hot week and kind of be a filler gap for the week. Um, I think we probably need to talk about Bobby Bradley, someone that uh, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of power. Um, thank God they finally got Jake Bowers out of the lineup so they could bring him up. Going to be someone that I think is going to have, you know, really hot weeks where he might hit you four home runs and hit 300. And then the next week he might come back and hit 125 with zero home runs and just kill your batting average. Um, <laughs> and then the let's go with Vladimir Gutierrez, someone that um, is in the Reds organization that's been pitching really hot recently. He uh, his arsenal when I was looking at it, it it's nothing fantastic but it's nothing bad i'd kind of put him in that you know over petite range where he's got some things you like about him he's got some you don't i think he could be a low 20 strikeout guy walk rate questionable and maybe get some uh i can't remember if he's a ground ball guy or not but um i think the ground ball rate actually is going to be pretty uh pretty low so he's interesting been hot but i don't know if it's going to last very long all right, and a couple names I'm going to just throw out there again on this list, guys. If you want power, big big, big farmhand Dan Vogelbach. You can't go wrong there. I mean, he's going to hit – talk about bad average, big-time power. That is what Vogelbach brings. He has three home runs over his last two weeks. Um, Matt Beattie, you actually put on this list. I'm not a huge fan of going after him, but if you need a fallback option, he has started four or five, playing at first base, banging towards the middle of the lineup. So that means something. Because the, the stats haven't been there over the last week, but sometimes you just have to go for it. But Bobby Bradley was a good one because he's actually striking out only 25% of the time so far, which is a huge deal for him, given that. But again, I do agree that Bradley is a guy that's more likely to hurt you in batting average and help you going forward. Um, there's just It's a lot of what do you need, go get what you need off the waiver wire. But we talk about a lot of names. And let's see, Jesus Sanchez, Abraham Toro, Bryce Wilson, which neither both of us said don't worry about him. Uh, Fulmer, if you need saves. Taylor Ward, Patrick Sandoval, Bailey Ober, Stephen Duggar, who I'm buying more and more into, the more I look at, Cody Petit, Chaz McCormick, Matt Beattie slightly. Who else did we talk about? Hey, I got Vladimir Gutierrez, Dan Vogelbach, G-Man Choi, Bobby Bradley. 15 names. I think we did our part this week. Joe, thank you for joining me. Thank you for coming up with this idea. I loved talking fantasy with you over the last hour, and I'm very thankful for your time. Again, you can follow Joe on Twitter at JoeGentileFT. That's Joe jo Gentile FT. I was a bad host and forgot to mention it at the beginning. You can also follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Don't forget that you can check us out every week and here on the Basis Loaded Pod. Joe is now going to be a member of the podcast. I mean, unofficially, officially. We'll talk about that off the air. But again, Joe, thanks for bringing this idea up. Thanks for joining me. And um, as always, we'll talk to you soon.